This is Reflections from the River with Bill Enyard. My election to Congress, never having held elected office, at the age of 64, after not even being selected in the primary election, was at best a combination of unique circumstances. My leaving Congress, after a single term, a clear indication that I'm a lousy politician. Most generals are. They may be good at the politics of the Pentagon or the politics of their particular service, but as a general rule, in my humble opinion, they're lousy elected politicians. That's why you see so few of them in Congress or any other elective office. But this isn't a story about why I believe flag officers make poor politicians. This is a story about my first day on the House Armed Services Committee. Every congressman with a military installation in their district wants to sit on the hask, as the House Armed Services Committee is called. It's easy to see why. All legislation dealing with the military, including budgets, must go through the hask. Pity the poor congressman with a military installation and no seat at the table. The hask committee table, that is. Since Scott Air Force Base is located in the congressional district I was elected to represent, I, of course, put in a bid for membership on the HASC. Now, let me explain to you how committee assignments work. Newly elected congressmen and women put in a bid to serve on their committee of choice. The assignments are determined by their party's leadership. So, if the leadership likes you, or if you have a particular skill, or if the leadership believes you'd be a good fit on the committee, you get your assignment of choice. The HASC is the largest committee in the House, with 62 members. But even as the largest committee, not everyone who wants to serve on it gets the assignment. Democrats were in the minority during my term, and thus Nancy Pelosi, now Speaker of the House of Representatives, was then the minority leader. As the only retired general serving in the House at that time, I was a logical choice for the coveted assignment. During my nearly 36 years of military service, I lived with a military maxim, if you're on time, you're late. Congressional schedules are notoriously overbooked, so it's hard, if not impossible, to live by that maxim. But for the first several weeks of my term, I held to it, at least for committee meetings. Although congressmen, unlike senators, do not have assigned seats in the House chamber, they do have assigned seats in committee rooms. Seating is based on party and seniority. Democrats always on the left, junior members closest to the witness tables. Entering the ornate conference room for that first time, a few minutes before the meeting was to begin, I quickly found my name tag at my assigned seat. Bottom row, all the way to the left. 61 vacant seats to my right and behind me. A few staff members bustling about, but no other congressman. Microphone with red and green switch in front of each seat. A bottle of water to the right of the microphone. And a file folder placed squarely in front of each plush chair. It needs to be a plush chair because sometimes you have to sit there for hours. Although I'd been on Capitol Hill many times as a military officer, it had been to meet with senators, congressmen, and their staffers to discuss military wants and needs. I'd never testified before the ask, and certainly never been on the side of the railing where the ranks of power-suited congressmen and women sit. All or parts of my district had been represented by legendary congressmen. 
Congressmen who have dams and highways and federal buildings named after them. Congressmen like Kenny Gray, Jerry Costello, and the unforgettable Mel Price. Congressman Price, or Mel as he was known to every Eastsider, was of mythic proportion to not only his constituents, but all who served in the military from World War II through the late 1980s. Mel was a corporal in the Army when he was elected to Congress in 1944. He served in the Hask from his election until his death in 1988. He served as chairman from 1975 until 1985. When I was a young airman at Scott Air Force Base, it amused me to see generals snap to attention when this short, paunchy, bald, bespectacled old guy in a rumpled gray suit would show up. Mel's ability to get things done for service members and their families was known far and wide. I can't count the number of stories I've heard about Mel getting a junior service member home for a family crisis. Stories that stretch back sometimes three generations. Entire families voted for Mel because of what he had done for the brother or sister or father or grandfather when they were serving. By the time I took my seat in the committee room, I'd been hearing these stories for more than 40 years. Now, Congress has many hallowed traditions. One of those traditions is that each committee chair has his or her portrait painted after their term in office. Huge oil portrait is then hung in the committee hearing room. The walls of the committee rooms are lined with these daunting portraits of past policymakers. As I took my seat in the nearly empty hearing room, I glanced up and straight ahead. Staring down at me was Mel Price, Mr. Armed Forces Committee for more than four decades. Gone now for two and a half decades. Mel Price watched every motion, every speech, every vote taken by me in that hearing room. Every time I took that seat under his watchful eye, I was reminded that my duties weren't just to my constituents, nor just to my political party, nor just to the generals, but to all service members and to all of our great nation. Sometimes I took votes my party leaders didn't like. Sometimes I took votes some of my constituents didn't like. Sometimes I took votes the Pentagon didn't like. Every vote I took was under the watchful eye of Mel Price, reminding me it didn't matter whether my vote was liked. It mattered whether it was the right vote. This has been Reflections from the River with Bill Enyard. You can email me at bill at com. That's B-I-L-L at B-I-L-L-E-N-Y-A-R-T dot com. Thanks for listening.